Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Welcome to episode 164. Today, we're going to be talking about the single most important thing that I've learned in my 30s. So this episode is being aired the week of my 40th birthday, and I'm pretty stinking excited about it. I, I will be honest, is that I'm looking Looking forward to the next decade. I'm I'm not too sad to leave my 30s, let them be in the past, which is totally fine, and move forward to whatever there is for me in this next decade. So 2020, of course, you know, every single time that I hit a new decade is a new decade, you know, on the calendar. And I I actually love that. Now 2020 has obviously turned out to be nothing that anybody expected. I feel like everybody back in January when they were making their New Year's resolution were like, ah, this is going to be the best decade ever, you know, and you have all these great plans. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot, we can't do any of that. (laughs) So I know that many of you have had to go back to the drawing board and say, what the heck are we going to do this decade? Because what we did last time is not working now. And that's, you know, basically what we talked about on our last episode is what got you here won't get you there. And I'm, I'm actually feeling that same way as I move into this new decade. And so I wanted to take some time today and just have you join me down memory lane and share a little bit about what has happened in the last 10 years, you know, not only with my business, but with my fundraising. And then also just, I want to share with you the single most important thing I've learned, because I think that it will be valuable for you, no matter where you're at, to also learn this one valuable thing. So before I talk about that, let's talk about what has happened in the last 10 years. If you're new to just the work that I do and, you know, in the area of fundraising, welcome. I'm just so thrilled that you've taken the time to listen to today's show and any of the previous episodes that you may have caught as well. Just really thrilled that I get to be a small part of your journey. So about, well, it was six years ago that I started my business and this podcast actually started up just three years ago. So let's go back though to my early thirties. So I was working for the American Cancer Society all the way up until I turned 34. So in from 30 to 34, so the first four years of my thirties, I spent my time doing probably what you are doing, raising funds, working in a nonprofit, making sure that your volunteers are plugged in, that you recruit those volunteers, you get those sponsors, you're bringing people in on monthly contributions. But in the end, really trying so desperately to make a difference in the world. And that's what was really important to me, you know, is I I was fighting this disease that I felt like had really taken the lives of so many people. And, uh, you know, was really fortunate that I got the chance to start something. So when I turned 27, I was actually hired for this position and it was a brand new position. Nobody had ever had the position before. And so I got to start and create this new role and I got to start this new fundraiser that in the end, after five years of working there, had raised $3.2 million and 
was really a, a signature fundraiser, not only for the organization, but for the community. And I was really proud of that. I was really proud of what we had accomplished. Of course, many of my peers were saying, what the heck are you doing? And I got a chance to start training and teaching others how to do this. And that really catapulted me into the next phase of my 30s. But I will say there was one incident, one thing that changed everything for me. And for those of you who followed my story, you know that that was the death of my father who had passed from cancer. And so that was when I was 33. I actually had just he had passed uh, three days before my birthday. So from the time that I'm recording this, the seventh anniversary of his passing is in just two days. It's a really tough day most years because there's so many great memories that I have of my of my dad. I always say that he is the most charitable person that I ever knew. He continues to motivate me and drive me every single day of my business and the work that I do and the life that I live. And I I really believe that that was a catalyst to everything that I do today was his passing. And so he passed away in 2013. And um, I was, yeah, three days before my, my 33rd birthday. I had heard somewhere along the line that when people are surveyed, they say that their best year, if they were to reflect back on any year of their life, their best year was their 33rd year. And so I geared up. My sister actually, we were all together and my sister took my picture from 32 to 33 and she's like, you know, we were kind of just joking around about, did I age? Did I look any different between 32 and 33? Which was clearly just a few seconds later. (laughs) So, but we had a good time with it. And I kind of loved that my dad had passed, you know, three days before my 33rd birthday. It was kind of a commemorative and kind of a, an interesting uh, situation. I was the only person who was in the room when my when my father passed away. I had chosen to stay the night at the hospital. And, uh, and so I was the only one who was in the room when he passed besides two nurses who had actually just checked his vitals and didn't even know that he had passed. So I often say that he came over, tapped me on the shoulder and woke me up when he left. And so it was a really beautiful moment. And it, it just like, to this, this day, whenever I think about loss and love and all that, is that I felt like it was such a beautiful um, moment. And I will never, ever, ever forget that because um, it was really special. And I got to spend that that moment with my dad. And so, um, and since he passed, I really do believe that he has been with me. I don't know what, what your beliefs are about death and all that stuff, but all I know is that he has been thick in my life <laughs> since he passed. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't uh, claim to know the answer to that. But all I know is that he has been a significant force in the work that I do today. And so anyway, so m- my 33rd birthday, I knew then in that next year that I was going to be going through a really rough year. And so that year was a time for me to really evaluate what I was doing with my life and who did I want to be? What was I going to stand for, you know, and what, what did I want? I mean, like the dream, I, I knew that I wanted to start my own business. I knew I wanted to be a consultant. And yet at the same time, I let all these ideas of, you know, what that was going to look like really cloud what I was doing. And so I was just like, you know what, for the next year, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to focus my attention on the American Cancer Society. I'm going to do my best work. But that year that he had passed, 
Midwest was also the same year that the entire organization restructured. So I had applied for a new job. I moved from Springfield, Missouri to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, So I was now in a bigger city, a bigger office. We had bought and sold a home. My dad had passed. And so it was like every life, you know, major crazy life thing that could happen, like happened within a month. And so it was just really crazy. I mean, we sold our house in three days. We bought a house. I mean, it was like just everything was very super fast, you know? So once I got into that leadership position that I was in, I got that whole year to really just sit back and dream about what I wanted to do. And so that next year, I said by the time my dad's birthday rolled around in November, that I was going to be a consultant and I was going to help other charities, ministries, missionaries learn how to raise money. And I was laser focused. I was determined to make that happen. And so I spent that next year just really trying to figure out, I hired a business coach. I, you know, was really building out my business and brought on my first consulting client during that time. And everything just really moved very quickly during that year and things turned into what it is today. So at 37, I wrote my book. Well, I released my book. I wrote it at 36. At 37, I released my book that many of you have read, Fundraising Freedom. And that book became a catalyst for the training that I teach to missionaries and ministry leaders and nonprofit leaders around the world. And so from there, that book also then turned into my first group coaching. And so then I I pulled together some really incredible nonprofit leaders who trusted me with their organizations. And we started coaching together as a group. And today I lead that uh, group. It's a little bit different than what it was when I first got started, but it's now Fundraising Freedom Academy, if you've heard about that. And then about a year later, so at 38, is when I started Fully Funded Academy, which is for missionaries. And so those are my two major programs that I lead right now. And that was just really just incredible for the growth of my business and what I do today. And I just, I love every single second of what I get to do. So my thirties went from a season of just, I was trying to figure it out and I was really a student of my fundraising craft. Then, you know, here's this crazy situation that happened with the loss of my dad. And then it just catapulted me into this area of work that I do today. And so if I were to reflect back on my thirties, the one thing that was most important that I learned was belief. And I know that (laughs) that may or may not correlate with what I just shared with you, but belief. I had crazy belief about what was going to happen next. And every single step along the way, I just believed that something better was on the horizon, that I believed that it was possible. And if you really took some time and looked back at some of the things that I've accomplished, it all came back to that I I wrote the thing down. And I've had many episodes where I talk about doing this, but I had that dream of being a consultant and it was like, I had to start taking steps towards making that happen. And I actually used the freedom process that I teach in my book, Fundraising Freedom. So there's no secrets here. It's all a part of that book. And so you can take it, you can use it for any dream that you have in your life. But that was really, the belief process was huge. And I just wanna share a few quotes, a few reasons why belief is so critical. And you know, the first thing is, is that beliefs, actually the definition of belief is the acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. 
that you have trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. And I had trust, faith, and confidence in that next phase of my life and that next step that I was going to take. And so I could really lean in and say, you know what, I believe that this is going to happen. And you know, in 2016, when I sat down to write my book, I, without a shadow of a doubt, believed that this book was going to come to life. I had there was not a doubt in my mind. And now I will be honest that I never expected my book to be some bestseller. You guys know it's a training book. It's not like it was meant to be something that's going to be in every bookstore on every bookshelf. It is specifically for nonprofit leaders who are looking to raise more money. And so I wanted to sit down because the phone kept on ringing with the same stories, the same conversations. And I was like, if only I could get everything that I know when it comes to fun fundraising down in a book, it would help me cut through the the stories and, you know, just be, be able to speak the same language with my with the people that I work with. And so that book I knew was going to be an essential tool to the further work that comes down the line. And I still believe that. I still believe that what's coming in my 40s all started because of the belief that I had in this book. And I have done some crazy things in my 30s that have totally transformed my life. And, you know, my 30s was really when I started to figure out, you know, my strengths and what I stand for and who I am. And, you know, when it comes to belief, I just think that if you can stand on it, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish, you know, because I talk about that I, I help make the impossible possible. And a lot of times that just comes from belief that I have been there. I I believe it because I've already experienced it. So you can lean on my belief because I already know it's possible. So I don't have to make anything up because I was like, been there, done that. I know it's possible. So let's, let's hit on a few quotes here. So one of the books that was really a big deal for me in my 30s was reading the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, I am not going to say, like, I've, I've studied up on this book. I've studied up on Napoleon Hill. I Turns out he probably didn't even know Carnegie, didn't even know any of these guys, but because he wrote a book, uh, he became very well known and the stuff that he put in this book, Think and Grow Rich, has really changed a lot of people's lives. And I'm going to say it changed mine. It was the book that I read in January of 2016 where I was like, I am going to have a burning desire, which was the first step that Napoleon Hill shares in his book, is that you need to have a burning desire for that thing that you want to accomplish. And so I kept on thinking about this book and I was like, I don't have a burning desire for it. When I think about all the other things that I've had a burning desire for, like getting married, graduating from college, moving away, you know, like moving to Missouri, you know, like all those things I had such a burning desire for, but for some reason I just could not get a burning desire for this book. And so I really, I locked down on that because I was like, okay, what do I need to do to get a burning desire? And I just was journaling and journaling and journaling about it. And I was like, I need to have a burning desire. And then I started just to pray. And I was like, okay, God, if you want me to write this book, you're going to have to bring somebody into my life who's going to help me write this book. And then next thing I knew, my business coach had connected me to my author coach and I was well 
on my way. So that's what's so beautiful about belief is that when you believe something is possible, the right people will start to come into your path. And so when you're looking at your fundraising goals and when you're looking at anything, any dream that you have in your life, as soon as you lock into that idea, as soon as you can put words and language, like when you have that fundraising goal and you're like, I wanna raise X amount of dollars, as soon as you've got that number locked in, that's when belief really kicks into gear. Now, I wanted to raise a million dollars, right? That was the million dollars that I felt was gonna make a huge difference in the fight against cancer. And I thought, you know what? We could raise a million dollars in our community. I think that this is totally possible. And I believed it. And to be honest with you, when I left the American Cancer Society and when I when I was 34 years old, I was really upset. I was really disappointed that I had not in a single fundraising year, in a single fiscal year, had not net that million dollars. And it did feel a bit like a failure. And I thought to myself, what in the world? I had such a uh, focus on that, you know, but Obviously, we raised $3.4 million in five years, and I well exceeded my million-dollar goal. It just took longer than a year. (laughs) So, you know, that's nothing to be disappointed about. But at the same time, I was so, I had believed that million dollars. And you know what? It has shifted. You know, that million dollars has has shifted into other organizations that I work with. And clearly, I have raised well over that number multiple times. And I've I've had single donors give more than that in one city. You know, so clearly, you know, that that has come around and it's been okay. But the belief it's it's just sitting and locking into what it is that you want. So, you know, Napoleon Hill says, whatever you believe and conceive, you will achieve. Now, let me say that again. Whatever you believe, belief, right? Whatever you believe and conceive, you will achieve. Now, I actually think it's, let me flip that around. Whatever you conceive, (laughs) whatever you can conceive, so these thoughts, these ideas that you have, whatever you can conceive and believe, you will achieve. That's really what it is. And in the end, I I love that statement. And it was actually our general contractor said it to us when we were sitting down talking about building our dream home. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was like, the fact that you just said that makes me love you all the more. (laughs) So it it was kind of like, yeah, darn right. We're going to build this thing because we were just, it was really such a dream in that, in that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, is this even possible that we could build this house in this neighborhood? You know, what, and not knowing how we were going to come up with the money, all those details. But you know what? I had a belief that it was possible. And I'll, I mean, I'll let you know. I mean, there are plenty of times, like I've said before in previous episodes, that I just sat on the street corner of where our house is now. And I just was like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if this is even like uh, possible. But you know what? I'm going to believe that it is. And I'm going to shut down all that negative noise. I'm going to shut down all the negative thoughts. And I'm going to lock into what is our life going to look like once this house is built? What is What are things going to look like once this is done? And that's really what I want for you too. I want you to start really leaning into the belief that whatever it is that you want is is possible, but you have to, you have to already move past it as if it already happened. 
And that's where I think that we mess up is that we are, we don't make plans. We don't start making plans to spend the dollars because we're like, well, what if it never comes in? What if we never raise the dollars? What if we have to shut our doors? You know, and you go immediately to the negative side of things. But what if you just immediately in your belief system was like, this absolutely will happen. And it's just a matter of time. Will it happen in my timetable? I don't know. But you know what? I believe that it's possible and I believe that we're going to do it. So therefore, I'm going to make plans as though I've already, I already have that money spent. I already have, I know where every single dollar is going to go. I know where every dollar is going to make a difference. So we're going to stay we're going to stay on, on focus and on target on that. So this concept that Napoleon Hill said, whatever you can conceive and believe you will achieve, that statement, actually, I'm like, it came right from the Bible. All right. So for all of you believers out there, Mark 11, 24, there's a lot of different verses that talk about this, but this one's my favorite. So Mark 11, 24, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Yeah, that is in scripture. <laughs> so let me say it again. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, whether or not you're a believer or not a Christian believer, I don't, that doesn't ma matter to me. The thing is, is that I want you to see that whatever, you know, and here it says, whatever you ask for in prayer, I mean, it's basically whatever you ask for. And it's the same scripture of, you know, asking it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. It's the same kind of thing. It's the same sort of concept is that just ask for it, verbalize it, write it down on paper. And as soon as you get that, that burning desire, that thing that you want, all of a sudden it becomes real. And so whether you pray or not, I'm going to say that in quotes, whether you pray or not, that doesn't matter. It matters that you asked so ask for it, ask for what you want, not what you need, what you want. I've been on a tangent on that one recently about wanting and needing. And the thing is, is that wanting is all about the freedom to, and you guys know when I talk about freedom, it's to act, think, and speak without holding back. And so I want you to have freedom to want whatever you want and to be okay with just wanting it. And I know that as a female, it's really easy to sit back and say, well, I don't really need that. Do we really need that much money? We probably don't need that much. And that's just asking too much. And then all of a sudden we don't ask for what we want. And so I'm going to ask you to ask for what you want, not what you need, what you want. And so the, when we talk about need, that is such a scarcity word. And you guys know that I am all about ending the lack and scarcity mindset. I want to shift away from lack and scarcity and I want to be focused on freedom. And when you have freedom in your nonprofit, in the work that you do, you can ask for whatever you want. <laughs> It's like a weight that's lifted off of your shoulders because you have the freedom to ask for whatever you want. And so today I am going to challenge you to ask for whatever you want, not what you need, what you want. So, you know, I'll, we'll continue to talk about that in a second, but, but whatever you ask for in prayer, this, this line in scripture, believe that you have received it. And many times it's hard to even sit back and say, well, how can I believe that I received it when it's never happened before? And you know, on last week's episode, I talked about what got you here won't get you there. And so clearly that if you had that old belief system, you need to just chuck that out the window and you need to have a new belief system. So now we're going to believe that new things are going to happen in this new season. So just like me, 
In my 30s, I believed a certain way. Yeah, I believed that certain things weren't going to happen. But you know what? I've seen some crazy things happen in my 30s that make me so much more bold. (laughs) I mean, like, look out 40s because I am way more bold about what is possible. And so my belief system has totally shifted. And I'm believing for much bigger things as I walk into this new decade. But that's what I want you to see is that, you know, oftentimes we're just leaning on on what we've seen in the past, but start looking at what other people have accomplished and what other people have done. So when I think about, you know, let's just say you have a million dollar goal. How many nonprofits are raising a million dollars? How many nonprofits are raising hundreds of thousand dollars? I'll just let you know, there's over a half a half a million people. So over 500,000 nonprofits that are making somewhere between 100,000 and a million. So if you're just getting started and you're like, I don't think it's possible to raise that kind of money, I want to tell you, 500,000 nonprofits are doing it today. So why can't you? Why wouldn't you be able to do it? Okay, so there you go. There's your belief. (laughs) Okay, so whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Huh? It will be yours. Like what? So you can actually ask for whatever you want And all you have to do is believe it, that it's actually, that you will receive it and it will be yours. Yeah. And that is what's so crazy. Think back about any situation that you've been through that you're like, I don't think that that's possible. And then it happened. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that was possible, but it was, and it happened. And now I'm a believer, (laughs) you know? And so when those things start to stack up, you start to dream much bigger and you start to realize that you're like, oh my goodness, I can have, be, and do whatever I want. And that is like uh, kind of mind-blowing And I've been in that season for several years now where I'm like, so you're telling me I can have whatever I want, which is really scary because that's where I was when I was writing my book was I was like, okay, so I know that it's possible. I know that I can write this book. I know that all of this is going to happen. But then all of a sudden I got halfway through and I was getting into the editing process and I thought to myself, oh no, I can't be the same person when this book is released because I have now put myself out there and I have now told people that I am a leader in the fundraising space. I am a trusted voice when it comes to fundraising. And no longer am I you know, an employee of the American Cancer Society or any of the other nonprofits that I've worked for in the past, but I am now Mary Valoni Consulting. It's just my name. It's just me. And you know what? I... I got over that because I spent a lot of time believing that I was going to be something different in this new season. Not better, not worse, but different. Things were going to look different. And the whole what got got me here wasn't going to get me there. And so I knew that I needed to shift my thinking so that I could move into this new season. And so as I made that shift it allowed me to finish the book and it allowed me to stand stand strong on what I believed that I wrote in this book and I could stand behind that and could boldly tell people, hey, go pick up a copy of this book because I believed in it and I believed that it was going to transform the lives of the people who read it and the organizations who implemented it. And I still stand behind that. I believe that that book is transformational. So if you haven't gotten a copy, you better pick one up. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. And I'm also 
also in the process of writing again. And so there is going to be more. (laughs) So stay tuned. You will hear more in my 40th year of life about the next phase of my writing process. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you become what you think about most of the time. And so if you really, truly want to raise the kind of money that you've been talking about, if you really want to move your nonprofit to that next level, your ministry to the next level, the work that you're doing as a whole, maybe you've got some dreams about building some buildings or you know, trans- moving into different locations and helping different populations of people, I want to give you permission today to believe. And it doesn't cost anything to believe. It doesn't cost anything to ask for what you want. Like I said, you can ask, you can believe, and it is possible because why should somebody else get it and you not? Why should another cause raise those kinds of dollars and they be worthy of those dollars, but you not? And that's where we have to take ownership of our thoughts. And I sat down nearly every single day when I worked for the American Cancer Society and I had that million dollar goal up on my whiteboard. I looked at it every single day. There was power in seeing that million dollar goal. There was power in me having conversations with volunteers that this was our goal. This is what we were working towards together. We were all moving in the same direction towards one single goal. And so I don't, I don't need you to scream your goals from the mountaintops. I don't need you to even share them with anyone, but I do need you to sit down and I need you to write them down and I want you to verbalize them. Now you can be in a room that's all by yourself where it's just you having the conversation with you and you asking for what you want. So if you are banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out how to raise those dollars or trying to figure out how to, you know, move into that new leadership position or start your your own business, whatever it is that you have on your heart, I, I want to give you my my belief in you. You know, you're a part of my life. You're a part of my journey. And I'm thankful that I get to be a part of yours. So because you care about me, I absolutely care about you. And so I don't want to just fulfill the dreams that I have for myself. I want to see you doing the same thing. It's kind of like, it's no fun if you're going someplace by yourself. It's more fun if we all go together. (laughs) So, So today, whatever that dream is that you have in your heart, I hope that you can learn from the single most important thing that I learned from my 30s. And it's really having that belief, the power of belief. That's it. That's what it's all about. So I wrote up my my uh, five core values for my business over the course of the last year. One of the big things that happened at the end of my 30s here is that I have expanded my business and I've brought on an assistant and you know starting to coach people on my material and training new coaches so that they can start to multiply and spread the work that I do to a lot more uh, nonprofits and ministry and missionaries. And so this is really just a fun season for me to see things grow. But my five core values that I lean on, my number one core value for Mary Valoni Consulting is crazy belief. Crazy belief. It's my core value. And the other values that I have, just so you guys know them, number two is contagious positivity. I always want to infuse positivity into your life. A three is compassion. I 
find that it's you can't help people if you're not compassionate about what they're doing and for is continuous growth you can see that everything that I do is about learning and growing and trying to be teachable so that I know because I don't have it figured out I've never been in 2020 before and neither of you. So we're all learning as we continue to move into the next years of our life and also into you know the way that people process and engage with us in our nonprofit. So continuous growth. And then my last one is committed to dreaming bigger. And a part of that is inspiring others to do the same. So I'm all about committed, committing to dreaming bigger and also inspiring you to do the same. So today, as we wrap up today's episode and you move on with your week, just be, I mean, I hope that uh, you'll think about me this week as I transition into this new decade of my life, but also as a birthday present, I just, I really ask that you would invest in yourself. So I I invite you to invest in yourself. It's the greatest thing that I have ever done is that I had such belief in who I was and who I am that I invested in me. And so I believe in you and I believe that you are your greatest investment. No matter how much time and energy you put into your nonprofit, the best investment is you. Because no matter what happens to your cause, no matter if there's a virus, a pandemic, an economic decline, a, a tornado, a hurricane, a tsunami, it doesn't matter because you will be able to rebuild and you'll be able to replicate things again because you invested in you. So on that note, I hope you have the most wonderful week on July 17th. Please join me in celebration of this, of, you know, another year of life. And thank you. I, I just absolutely absolutely adore you. I love my little tribe that I get to do life with. And I just, I love that you care so deeply about other people that you have invested in a nonprofit and want to do this at all costs. And and it doesn't, doesn't matter what you get paid because your heart is in the right place. And I just love that about you. So invest in yourself, go write down that crazy belief and start believing in it today. All right, have a great week. Let's go change the world one volunteer and $1 at a time. 